What is the nature of the church? From the early stages of the church, Christians have held a teaching that there are two modes of existing. One is the way of life and the other is the way of death. And those that are separated from God through the fallen state of sin are on the path to death. But those who have found Christ are on the path of life. And the consequences of these two modes of being are very deep. And the church is to be instrumental in reconciling people to the true life found in Christ. Welcome to Kingdom of the Logos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor. I'm Pastor Anthony Alegria. And today we're really beginning this new sermon series, The Adventure of Holiness. And in this we're going to talk a lot about the Gospel of Matthew and we're also going to talk about this ancient Christian document known as the Didache. For many in the early church, they would not have had the New Testament like we have it now. You would be lucky to have one of the, the texts of the New Testament, whether it be a letter of Paul or perhaps one of the Gospels, they would have circulated around and you wouldn't have really had available access to them whenever you wanted them. It wouldn't have been like today where we can just go pick up a Bible at our convenience with an Old and New Testament in it. But there was a document which was frequently circulating in the early churches and that was known as the Teaching of the Apostles to the Gentiles. The Teaching of the Twelve Apostles. And this is commonly known in English as simply the Didache. And of course the Greek word for teaching is Didache. And that's where we get that consolidated name for it. It was a short document that was essentially a handout given to Christians, giving them code of conduct, how to do orders of service, things like baptism and the Eucharist, and it was very important. And this very important ancient document opened up by saying the following. There are two ways, one of life and one of death, and there is a great difference between the two ways. That opening line was something very important to the early moments of Christianity and the church knew from the very beginning that one of its purposes was to pull people away from the way of death and towards the way of life. And that the grace of God is ever present in the world and it calls people to walk the path of light. And the way of life, this light driven way which is derived from God, it is something which is a very graceful and merciful path to walk. Because God is gracious and God is merciful, those who are on it, they should have a particular character. And today, we're going to begin examining this gospel according to St. Matthew, and we're going to see two places where you can get a good picture of these ways of life. The Holy Family, Mary and Joseph, they are embodying the way of life. And the grace of God is active in their lives even before Jesus has gone to the cross and died and been resurrected. Even in these early stages of the gospel, we can see God's grace active and this way of life shaping and transforming the world. It is a call to adventure, the adventure of holiness that leads Mary and Joseph down this new pathway. And in contrast to Mary and Joseph, we're going to look at King Herod, who rejected the way of life and chose to live on the path of death instead. Because while the grace of God is present in the world, it's present before salvation and even after salvation, there are many people who may reject it and choose to live by the corruption of the world instead. They want to just live as the world is in the state of sin, and they want to be moving towards death and decay, rejecting the grace and power of God. Today we're going to be looking at the Matthew Gospel, uh, chapter 1 and 2. And Anthony, would you begin for us reading in Matthew 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus the Messiah took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. But just when he had resolved to do this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
For the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her as his wife, but had no marital relations with her until she had born a son and named him Jesus. All right. In this, we can see the path of life embodied. We can see that Mary and Joseph, they are upstanding Jewish people. And Joseph, when he's presented with this situation, and let's be honest, if a, a young lady was found to be out of wedlock with a child, that would be something subject to stoning under the circumstances that it was made public. Joseph, he wants to do this quietly, doesn't want to put her through this. He is an upstanding man, and he himself is not bent towards death, but rather towards life. We can see the grace of God in Joseph's character. But the grace of God doesn't stop there, because an angel of the Lord comes to Joseph and says, don't be hesitant in taking Mary as your wife. You're being called to do something pretty serious here, Joseph. Your wife, look, the virgin, she shall conceive a child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This is no small thing which is given to Joseph and Mary. They are to be the earthly parents to this Messiah. And if we're honest, a lot of people didn't really know what to expect of the Messiah. Yes, there were scriptures, there were prophecies like this, but as with most apocalyptic literature, people really don't know what to make of them. It's a lot easier to examine something like, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son after the fact than it is to really understand what that means. A lot of people say, well, it's just metaphor. There's a lot of strange things which happen with apocalyptic literature. But nonetheless, Mary and Joseph, they are embodying the way of life. You can see that they are people of life. They're upstanding Jewish people and God is working in them. And we'll come back to them in a few moments. But for now, let's compare that with the way of death as is displayed by King Herod. Anthony, would you read now in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. Calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah. For you shall be the one from which a ruler shall come, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search dil diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out. And there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Now, after they had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. 
Then Joseph got up and took the child and his mother by night and went to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. When Herod saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, he was infuriated, and he sent and killed all of the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been learned from the wise men. The ancient document known as the Didache, it gave Christians instructions on how they would live their lives in order. They were told from the very beginning that if you are a Christian, that you should be walking the way of life and not that of death. And for those who lived prior to the canonization of our holy scriptures as we know them today, they heard that profound statement. It was one that they would have thought of quite regularly. Here in the Gospel according to St. Matthew, we find these two modes of existence, these two paths, these two ways of being on this earth, the way of life and the way of death. Mary and Joseph answer this call to get up on the holy quest of life. In Herod, he chooses to reject the grace of God and be an instrument of death to all that stand in his way. Truly, we see in this, this is a call to adventure. It is a call of God to a graceful adventure by the Holy Spirit coming to, to them through these angels. We see it coming materially in the life of Mary and Joseph, but also on a spiritual way. Because there's new life which is breaking into the world, and it's coming through this Christ child. We do see moments in time where literally they are called to get up, take this child with you. Go down to Egypt. That is a call to adventure. But also we see this spiritual call which says you must be an upstanding and righteous family. That means your heart and mind must be in the right place. This is not just any random quest you are going on, but it is one that matters deep within the soul. Jesus' earthly parents embody the way of life. Mary and Joseph are two humble Jewish commoners who have been visited by God with a great message. Mary, as a virgin, she will conceive by the Holy Spirit and give birth to the Christ child, the Messiah. And this really is an enormous task. And neither of these two are equipped to have in the care a child of royalty. But that is not a requirement set before them. They're not instructed to raise a child in a palace. They're not to be worldly and earthly kings by any worldly or earthly standard. But well, for this king is going to be different than anything the world has ever known. It's going to be a different sort of king. Mary and Joseph are simply commanded to accept the way of life and to be upstanding people of faith. The child is not to be raised any other way than just normal Jewish custom. And they're not demanded to go out and procure extravagant commodities or worldly royalty. The way of life is something that is humble. And Mary and Joseph recognize that they are not the power and authority setting this course. The couple willingly submits themselves to the actions and instructions that are given to them. And they do as they are told, and they are given a treasure beyond imagination. The Christ child that is placed in the care of Mary and Joseph is simply to be raised by an upstanding family. And here again we find in scripture this call to adventure that is wrapped around the idea of family. That God calls us to be in family units. The kingdom of God, the body of Christ, it is structured around the family model. And once again, the great call of family is where this child is to be brought up. The Christ child does not need to be surrounded by people of great wealth and power. It doesn't need to have a great name associated with him. And even though he is of the house of David, Mary and Joseph, they're not people living in a palace. They're not someone like even Herod at that time who had a great name for themselves publicly. Mary and Joseph are just basic common upstanding Jewish people. And that is where the Christ child is to be raised in a humble setting. All he needs is to be raised by a humble Jewish family that fears God.
Anthony, what do you think about that? The fact that you see this Christ child being brought in and God doesn't say, oh, you need all of these strict rituals that you've got to live by. He just says, no, this great gift, the begotten son of God, the only instructions he needs is to be raised up by an upstanding family. What do you think about that? Does that ever strike you as, as just humbling to, to see? Um, I think I, I probably haven't spent much time reflecting on the idea of uh, God being raised by uh, mother and father. But um, I do think it is something which does speak to the power of the family. And uh, I think that it is definitely one of those things. Parenthood is one of those things which is both humbling and also probably in a way sort of um, not necessarily glorifying. But uh, it is a something that one should be proud to do and something they should take pride in certainly yeah. is uh, parenthood and also it is a very humbling task at hand and so um that's what i would say on that yeah jesus is fully god and fully man and parenthood is necessary we see this nuclear family we see mary and joseph together and while joseph is not really the the father of of this child the holy spirit come and conceived with mary Joseph is still the, the earthly father here. Um, that is is an amazing undertaking. And Mary here, she is the, the mother of the Christ child. And this is something which we can all relate to. Mary and Joseph, they, they're very relatable people. There's nothing really that special about them aside from they're just willing to be graceful people that fear God and answer the call to the way of life. Let's flip over and contrast them with that of King Herod who unmistakably embodies the way of death. Herod is corrupted by sin, and he does not know how to value life. And this is evident within the gospel and within history's accounts of King Herod. Herod the Great, he demanded to have the title, the King of Judea. He went before Rome and said, I want to be given this title. I want to be the governor of, of Judea. And by Roman law and Roman custom, it was very unusual for a, a governor to be given the title of king. And if I know Roman history right, not not an expert in Roman history, I believe Herod is the first person to be given the title that they would actually say, yes, you can be called king to the people below you. I don't think that's something Rome normally took very kindly to. Um, Herod comes and he demands that his uncle be removed. He says, I've converted to Judaism, therefore I'm a Jew and I would be a good ruler. Let me be their king and then they'll be peaceful under you. As Herod goes to seize power, he goes and he turns Jerusalem into a bloodbath where even the temple itself is desecrated. And Herod makes a big mess of the city that lasts for years. But eventually, as he does seize power, he is one that likes, well, power. He goes after the worldly lusts. The way of death that is prevalent in his life, it is a product of his twisted soul. And from the early stages of his life, we can see that his soul is misshapen. And he's more than happy to bring death everywhere with him as long as it benefits himself. His soul is misshapen in a far distance from the form that God intended for humanity. In the Torah, we find that God gives instruction to people in authority. Those who are in authority of others, they should fear God, be righteous, and uphold the laws of God. They should hate dishonest gain. But Herod, he wants others to feel him. He wants them to fear him and feel his power over them. He wants his word to be law, and he's more than willing to change his word and his laws at a whim whenever it is to his gain. Furthermore, when it comes to the question of dishonest gain, Herod is more than willing to accept it if it is to his benefit. Where we see the Christ child is born in a humble place, in Bethlehem. 
We do find these wise men of the East coming with gifts, but it wasn't part of God's instructions for Mary and Joseph that they would have gifts in a life of royalty. It was just by the grace of God and by the bringing of the, the wise men that we do find that there are those royal attributes there. But Herod, he is one who does demand the life of royalty, so much that he demanded of Rome the name and title of being king of Judea, the king of the Jews. And throughout his life, he was a man of death. There are even suspicions that he had some of his own sons put to death before he himself died because he didn't want them to seize power before he himself would pass away. Herod in his later years, even this time when he orders all these children executed, he had some illness, which people hypothesize what it is, but it's often known as Herod's evil. It caused him to have a painful and long death. Herod himself was unmistakably the way of death. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we see him ordering the death of all of these children. Such a horrific thing to do to these innocent young people. And it is a wretched and terrible thing. But this is what the way of death does. Anthony, do you have any thoughts on the, the huge contrast between Mary and Joseph, their humble way of life that is led by God and Herod's wretched way of death, which is led by his own desires? I don't really have any extra thoughts that uh, could be really said other than what the text has to say about it. And it's pretty clear that, you know, those who are servants of the Lord will be used to bless the world. And those who um, are servants of themselves are going to curse the world. Yeah, they are. All right. Well, in contrast between these two, we find that the way of death, it is one with serious ramifications. But the way of life is also one that is very powerful and changes the world. Joseph and Mary, they are humbled by the responsibility given to them. The new life that will come through the works of Jesus are beyond anything the world could have expected of the Messiah. And the grace of God that is found early on in the gospel is active. We find that the church itself is called to live in this grace. The church is to be an institution of life, to bring people to the true life which is found through Christ. Life is God intended when he breathed the first breath of life into our most ancient ancestors. The church is to be set apart from the world and that it brings people to the true life in Christ. And Christ modeled for us the perfection of true life. Mary and Joseph, even though they themselves were, were not Christ, but they were quite clearly close to this situation, they themselves were answering the call to the grace of God, we can be blessed by the model they gave before us. Christ perfected this model, and we look to the Holy Family and we see that God's grace has been active in the world for a long time, and it continues to be active. And as we enter into the true life that is found here within Christ and embodied here in the church, we should enter into a body of saints who have reordered their lives away from that of death. Because the way of death, it disorders life. It brings the world to a place of disorganization. And that is a very tragic thing. We should have conviction and concern for it. But the way of life, it humbles people and brings order to places where the world never could. And as we close, I want us to have a, a brief prayer for God to come and work in our lives and take us down the way of life. So let's spend a few moments in prayer. Precious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to come together. Lord, wherever we are assembled across time, across the internet, wherever we may be, I pray that you come and enter in our hearts and our minds that we could experience your grace and we could move away from the, the state of death that is wrought by sin and we could walk on the way of life. 
Lord, let us walk this pathway and let us grow and increase in our grace and mercies in our lives. Lord, as you come to give us gifts, we are so grateful and we give you praise for all the wonders you have done for us. Lord, bless those who are out there listening to this message. May they come near to you and walk the way of life. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And with that, we'll wrap this up. God love you and have a blessed day.